0: The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast, another week, another weekend of NBA basketball, Eric Newman West Coast time, just got here in L.A., B.J., of course, at home in L.A.
1: My man, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. Lots of sports. Lots of basketball, of course. Football, my Lions, fell to the Cowboys. Sad day in Detroit. But you know what? Life goes on. So we're moving on and uh, talk a little NBA action, my man Eric.
0: Well, since the last time we talked, at least your favorite football team didn't have their star defensive lineman swinging the opposing quarterback's helmet all over the field. So at least you got that going for you. In Detroit, the Browns' drama continues to be just that, an absolute drama. And uh, we'll talk more about that another time because there there are some interesting connections to uh, what happened there. Uh, with Miles Garrett and, and some past incidents in the NBA. Actually, I'll, th- I'll throw that, that at you later in the show, but let's jump right in. Uh, the world of the NBA, aside from the Boston Celtics having the best record in the Eastern Conference despite losing a Sunday heartbreaker at the Kings, that ball just rolled off the rim, BJ. Uh, but the C's 10-2. and two, but <laughs> How did it talk. roll off
1: the rim, Eric? How did it roll off the rim? Just rolled <laughs> off the rim.
0: Marcus. Marcus. Oh, man, I'm on the couch just <laughs> willing that thing in, and it didn't work. But anyway, right. Carmelo Anthony is back in the league. He is joining the Portland Trailblazers. We've, of course, heard that swirling a number of different times over the last, I'd say, uh, two to three years, dating back to when he was with the Knicks. So uh, what should the Blazers expect from Carmelo? Uh, which could be as soon as Tuesday night in New Orleans. We're not 100% on that, but what
1: should Portland expect with Melo in the lineup? Well, I think this has been a problem all along, Eric, is what are the expectations of Carl, Carmelo Anthony? We all know Carmelo is a great player. He's had a fabulous career, but this version of Carmelo, what can we expect? I expect from him right now is to try to fit in. I think he's been humbled. I think he's willing to accept the role and willingly accept the role, and I think that has been the issue with Carmelo. Can he willingly accept maybe not playing? Maybe gets maybe gets a DNP CD. So we know he's a capable scorer. We we he's shown that throughout his career. But this version of Carmelo, I'm not expecting too much. Just from the simple fact he hasn't played, he hasn't played in games, meaningful games. And uh, I think it's really fair to put any level of expectations on him knowing that he hasn't played in such a long time.
0: So here's what's interesting about what you just said. Like, the Blazers need help. I mean, they are off to a rough start. They've lost some tough games at home. But more so, the depth has taken a serious hit with Zach Collins out in the front court Nurkic is not even close to back yet. And, and this team, as we record this on Monday, you know, they, they sit at 5-8. and eight. This was a team that we thought would be, you know, at worst between the 5-8 and eight seed spots in the playoffs. They're 5-8. and eight. Uh, I know it's early, but uh, the front court obviously has changed there since last season with Ennis Kanter gone, Mo Harkless gone. Uh, Zach Collins, they were hoping for a big year from. He's going to be out a couple of months with the shoulder injury. And then you look at just the way this team is constructed all around, starting with the backcourt and scoring the ball. They they need a punch from the frontcourt. So my question for you is, yes, Carmelo needs to be accepting of the role, but he's there to give them a a, a boost – it's got to be on the glass it's got to be scoring the basketball how do you see them using him as a weapon right now where they've got to they've got to start stacking up some wins here before this this western conference gets to be too much for them to 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 climb the ladder with him
1: well my friend when you talk about getting a boost you're talking about consistency you're talking about a team right now that's willing or at least they've been talking since day one about taking the next step right the next step for them is to get to the NBA finals is to potentially win the NBA finals I think it's fair to say they've pushed their chips into the middle of the table I think this team is ready to win I think clearly Neil O'Shea and and staff have made we're not going to wait 25 games like you would normally do they said you know what we got to figure out we got to figure this out sooner rather than later so defensively is where you make your stand when you have a def- when you have a team that's ready to win you got to get stops you have to be able to consistently play on that end of the court every night to give yourself an opportunity to win when i start hearing teams and media and fans start saying we need an offensive punch You can't be hot every night. I don't care who you are. I don't don't care if you're the greatest offensive team in the the world. You cannot consistently shoot the ball at a high percentage every night. Now, in saying that, I think Carmelo, will he have nights? Yes. Is he a capable offensive threat? Yes. And all of those things. But defensively, it's always going to boil down to, can you consistently do that on the other end, which gives you a chance to win a ball game. And that's been their biggest problem. You know, you mentioned Mo Harkless. You're mentioning players that gave the defensive effort. Maybe it didn't show up in the stat sheets, but those were the guys who were guarding the other team's best wing players. So if Carmelo is going to make an impact on the, on that team, on the organization and affect their bottom line, he's going to have to figure out how to integrate himself and bring rebounding, bring a defensive presence and do something that we traditionally haven't seen him play. Many players older in their career, they really transition or they really begin to do other things to contribute to the bottom line. We know Carmelo can score. We know that, that that, that's not an argument here, but is that enough at this stage of the game? I don't think so because I don't think he's going to get enough touches with those other guys. And those other guys speaking about Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum.
0: Well, there's the need for front court scoring. There's need for bench production, and Carmelo Anthony has many, many years of experience, and uh, hopefully, he's going to impart a lot of that experience on this Portland team in a variety of ways. And you know, you hit it on the head with consistency. Speaking of consistency, a team that we expected a lot out of in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, they. They've had some trouble finding that consistency. Uh, They've lost five out of their last eight games. They've beaten only Cleveland twice and Charlotte once in that stretch. Embiid's been suspended. They've had some injuries, but everyone's dealing with injuries at this point as we covered last week. Um, What's lacking with this team right now, and should Philly and their
1: faithful, BJ, should they be concerned well, Eric, with, come, ex, with expectations comes also the responsibility of having to play at a high level every single night. And that's what this team is going through. You know, Philadelphia right now, when they come into your arena as the visiting team, that is a game that most teams and most players in this league are circling, and they're fired up to play against the Philadelphia 76ers. They've been picked to come out of the East or one of those teams, so let's, let's use them as a measuring stick. And I think they, you know, are going through that process. Now, in watching them play, clearly they feel that they have an opportunity with the addition of Al Horford, with the signing back of Tobias Harris. They have two young players, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Enby, who they feel very confident in. But when you look at this team, Eric, it's a glaring, their three-point shooting is glaring. Uh, And and and, and when I say their three-point shooting, when you lose a player like a J.J. Redick, and one of the things that, to me, that really sticks out is a point guard. And I know Ben Simmons has been uh, playing the position, and he's a very capable player. But as you get to the playoffs – and things begin you begin to game plan I think his inability right now to shoot consistently from the three-point line is going to be a major problem for them during the course of the regular season uh, it's going to be hard to prepare for his size and athleticism and what he does on a night-to-night basis but as I get to the playoffs and my defense becomes more sophisticated and I can game plan and take away some things, I think it's going to be a a glaring problem for them. So I think there's some holes in their team. There's some deficiencies clearly that they have, but all teams do. Um, And that's going to be, that's going to be a, a problem that they're going to have to really take a look at as they go through the season is to have a point guard or a lead guard who can, keep the defense on it so that they can take advantage of their size and with their interior players and until that happens I think you're going to see more and more deficiencies kind of peek their head out as the season goes along.
0: BJ I'm glad you brought up Simmons he's playing 33 minutes a game he's he's just under 14 points and at seven assists mm-hmm. six rebounds. Obviously, shooting a high percentage from the floor, about fifty-seven, still struggling at the free throw line, a touch below fifty-six. I was expecting big growth in numbers. How much of Ben Simmons' game should be measured in numbers versus how much of Ben Simmons' game should be measured on presence and consistency? What do you think?
1: Well, Ben Simmons is, is an exceptional talent. You know, he's got size, he has athleticism, he has an ability to make people around him better. He does some really great things for your team that just it's just a, you know, just a gift. I mean, he's a very gifted player. With that comes the responsibility that he's had, he has to add other things or other skill set to his already incredible amount of talent that he has. And I think got to grow is, the menu, right? Yeah, got to grow the menu. Because as you continue to play in this league, Teams will begin to scout you, and teams will begin to defend you in a way that's gonna not allow you to do the things that you do well. Now, at some point here, Ben Simmons is going to have to develop a jump shot. Not only for himself, but for the team. Because if he doesn't develop that jump shot consistently, then that's that's gonna impair his ability and his team's ability to continue to advance. It's very difficult to play as you go through the playoffs with an inconsistent jump shot as a primary ball handler. And that th- that's one of the things, you know, he's gonna have to be a scorer. He's gonna have to be a player that can command or demand a double team if he starts to learn how to post up so that he can utilize his ability to pass the ball from the post as well as passing in transition. So there are gonna be other things he's gonna have to add to his game. And until he, Until he makes that step, until he makes that commitment, we're going to continue to talk about them the way they were talking about it because we all see the talent. He has the size and ability to do it, but now it's about putting in the work in the offseason to bring that out, to allow him to play at the level that we all think that he can play if he's able to accomplish that.
0: One key player from last year's Sixers team, of course, departed this offseason. He was their veteran leader. He was their defensive identity. He was their closer. One Jimmy Butler, now a member of the Miami Heat. The Heat are coming back to Philly later this week. We saw Kristaps Porzingis at the Garden last week. That was entertaining. A lot of homecoming games this season. BJ,
1: what, uh, what homecoming game are you looking for? forward to watching the most this year well having a 19 year old son has taught me one thing Eric is that there are no more home teams you just root for your favorite players <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I disagree well, I strongly disagree you could disagree but what we can't disagree is that I, that know. Is I know the era we're in everyone follows players th- th- I know th- everyone I know. follows players so Whether Jimmy Butler is in Chicago, whether he's in Minnesota or now Miami, it doesn't really matter. If he's your player, he's your player. Um, Today's players, it's a new game. It's a new mindset. It's a new way of rooting for uh, – I don't even know if these fans today have teams. They just have players that they root for. So Jimmy comes home to us old guys. Well, I don't know if you're an old guy yet. You know, but to <laughs> fans of your for your age, you know, it's, it may have I, a I little think, meaning. I think,
0: I, think, I think society now dictates that I am, yes, an old yeah, guy.
1: Yeah, you're an old guy. But to guys like myself, look, I just watch the game and I just want to see some good basketball. I just want to see guys play. I mean, we may turn on the game and it may be a low-managed game. And, and that's acceptable in today's era. I don't agree with it. I I have my own views about it, but this is where we're at, Eric. So I've kind of moved on, and you know what? Jimmy is a nice player. I want to respect him for what he brings to the game when he plays and kind of go from there.
0: You know, you you weaved load management into the conversation so so seamlessly, my friend. Um, Kawhi Leonard sitting out more games uh every team's in a different situation with this last year obviously Kawhi sat out 22 games for the Raptors they go 17 and 5 and he puts the team on his back through the playoffs they win the whole thing this year the Raptors I think are surprising some people but with how well they're playing without them um you know just just putting a button on load management is this is this the realities of the new NBA or is this going to be the extreme of the situation and we're already seeing discrepancies with the NBA saying one thing and teams saying the other? Are we hitting an extreme point here or is this the
1: new norm? You know, Eric, I'm willing to say this 20 years from today. We're going to look back on load management and we're going to say the following. Load management is going to be a real issue for this league moving forward into the future that's going this moment here i think is a much more serious problem than the league is letting on the team is letting on the media is letting on i think this is a very serious problem because of the following anyone who's been part of a team Anyone who's been a part of a successful team understands the consistency in which you have to work together as a unit to reach your potential as a member of a team. It is virtually impossible, Eric, to play a game, sit out a game, sit out a practice. No rhythm. And, and play. It's, it's virtually impossible. Being a member of a championship-caliber team involved the following, Eric, you have to trust in the group dynamic. You have to trust in the team. You have to embody everything that's part of a group and understand what that means. Understand the responsibility, Eric, that I have to play my role within the group dynamics. And if you have these players... That don't understand what that is. Then th- what are we? What are we trying to build, Eric? I, as a, as an ex-player, if I was playing today, I would ask these players instead of playing thirty-five or forty minutes one night and then sit out. How about we just play? T- just give me twenty minutes every night, if that's all you got, because all I can ask as a team member. It's just to give me what you have. I can't ask you to be Allen Iverson, Eric, if you're not, if you don't have Allen Iverson's talent. But I can ask you to give me what you have. And this moment of players sitting out is, I think, it's going to be devastating for the league. It's going to be devastating because how are you supposed to build a team where there's no consistency? How are you going to build a team when players not only don't practice with one another, they're not even playing in the game. So anyone who thinks that you can do this without participating as a group, that's not true. That's just not true. This is going to be a problem. I think the league doesn't know what to do. I don't think the media knows what to do. I don't think the teams know what to do, but if we continue down this path, Eric, I think it's going to be very destructive in the future for the NBA.
0: Don't forget the season ticket holders who are paying prime money to watch the great players play, the family of 4 who shows up and Oh, sorry son, Kawhi's not playing tonight. You can't see your favorite player. It's uh it's lose lose all around. At the same time, there's there's got to be there's got to be a way to solve this so players feel like their bodies uh, can handle the rigors of the season, and um, the teams can function at the highest level. And the the fans, at the end of the day, that the fans are paying for a, a product. This is sport, but this is also a business. This is also entertainment. So there's a, a lot to continue to unpack here, which I know we're going to do throughout the year. Speaking of a team. Who um, always thrived on consistency, and this was the team actually that accidentally invented load management by resting their veteran players Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili years ago. The San Antonio Spurs currently twenty fourth in defensive rating, heading into Monday's games, twentieth last year. This is a sixth year run that was ended last year uh being in the top 5 in defensive rating. So there's been turnover. They've got a lot of new pieces there. I think they're trying to find roster consistency. But uh how does Greg Popovich fix this with the uh current roster and players that he has in San Antonio?
1: Well, Eric, you you, you know, Greg Popovich you know, this, this all this all Or is, goes back
0: or is, or BJ is it is it Sorry, is it not fixable because he doesn't have the right personnel? Well, I don't th- know. This is
1: the, Eric. I think I, I giving a clip or giving a clip of a of a of a of an interview is not the entire interview. And I'm going to go back to an example. When I was with Chicago, when I was with Chicago, we had. Two-a-days for the entire month of October. Love it. Okay, we had two-a-days for the entire month. Now, I'm not saying this as like, oh, how tough we had it and how easy these the today's players are. But at the beginning of every preseason, Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson would say, gentlemen, do I have permission to tell you the truth and can I ask for permission for you to trust me to help you get uh, to help you get your body through this entire month of training of, of training camp? And for you, older players, in particular, he was talking about in particular one player, Bill Cartwright, to help you. I'm going to help you get through not only this part of the season. But through the entire season and strategically rest you because you aren't the same as a young player like a BJ Armstrong or at that time Scottie Pippen or you know Stacey King or whomever that may be. Now, that's very important. That's very important because Phil Jackson was stating that he understood how difficult this task was, but more importantly, he had respect. For your bodies as you're putting your bodies out there on the line every single night and for that he would help you get through whatever you needed to get through but all he asked is that you showed up and give give yourself what you had. So if Bill Cartwright came to practice and his body didn't feel like it we didn't ask Bill to push through at that time. Bill came in, he warmed up, he sat on the side and we kept it moving. Now the reason I'm saying this is because Greg Popovich in my humble opinion was getting Tim Duncan through the regular season because that wasn't the young Tim Duncan at that particular time Tim Duncan was putting massive amounts of miles on his body through the regular season through the postseason and all of those things and there was no way that as you continue to get in double digits as as your career goes on, that you're going to continue to do that and do it at a high high level. It's just the body isn't made to do that. Now, it's one thing when you see an extraordinary athlete like a LeBron James do it, but that's not the normal athlete. That's a LeBron James is arguably one of the top five athletes of all time in the nba maybe sports period this guy is amen yeah he's he's just a phenomenal athlete now no and i I
0: get listen the 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 cartwright insight timmy duncan Duncan, getting getting guys ready for the playoffs playoffs. i get it but we
1: we, but but then i think it was taken too far it was taken out of context to saying well all players can do that wait a hold on wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute hold on all players that doesn't apply to like I can't recall a day in my career where I did not want to play or I was gonna let alone miss a playoff game like that's never occurred to me that's never occurred to me that hey you're gonna miss a game for rest or let alone someone told me I was going to miss a playoff game. That's never occurred to me, Eric. So I think this whole idea of resting players was taken out of context by Popovich because when you get to be a certain age in this league, playing back-to-backs is a very difficult task. I'll be the first to raise my hand, and, and, and every player will tell you that. As they age in this league, but when you're young, what's the problem, Eric? What's Tell the me. problem? I, I, I have no idea. Th- this is this is this is where I think it has gone too far. Now we, we we're doing studies and well, Eric. When I first came in the league, we. We, we flew commercial. We had to take the the first flight out of every city and still played all 82 games.
0: Old TWA, old U.S. Air.
1: I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, where is... Different world, different dimension, different dimension. We
0: did, we did, we did enter into this topic trying to figure out what's going on with the present day it, it, Spurs, but we tied it back to load management. Well, well it's not load problem.
1: management because it, it looked like load well, management, it, but I, I don't think it was load management. It, <laughs> well,
0: with with Duncan and no, with listen with Duncan I, I'll give you and Parker ex- I'll give you and Ginobili. No, I give you another example. Sure, and the 2010 Celtics, the, those guys I'll needed to you, rest down the stretch, and Doc got them ready for the playoffs, and they I went all the you, way
1: to Game Seven for the finals. In 1992, in 1992, Michael yeah. and Scotty both played in the Olympics that summer. Phil Jackson decided. Phil Jackson decided not to have those guys play, the, play or practice the entire preseason. Hmm. I'll give you another example that's even more extreme than that. I, play, I was playing for the Orlando Magic, and Chuck Daly, the late Chuck Daly, did something that, to me, no one has talked about, but we should talk about it here for at least two minutes. We, we came out of the lockout season, and we had 50 games, and I think in something like 80 days. I, I don't know. Mike, if you can find it out as I'm telling this story. We had to play 50 games. We had back-to-back-to-back games during this time. He decided, Eric, during the season, to cancel all practices and all shoot-arounds for the entire season. And we had the, wow. And we had that season – we finished number one in the Eastern Conference with the Orlando Magic. <laughs> so, Eric... The needed formula. Eric, now, did he do that because of load management? Did he do that because of the situation that was at hand? Did he see that this... all? Did he see that he needed an opportunity to allow guys to figure out how to rest and, 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 and do what he needed to do. And I asked him, because I was a veteran at the time, I said, coach, I've never been on a team where you didn't practice. He said, BJ, the first thing I have to do is to respect the game. I gotta respect the game. How can I ask you yep. to practice, shoot around, travel, and then give me the effort necessary To even participate in that game let alone win that game so eric all of these scientific studies and all of this addressing all of these things first we have to address the issue at hand what's really going on here because i can't recall ever coming to a game and not wanting to compete now what did i ever think eric that i can win every game Well, not that's realistic. It. That's not realistic. Even though the, mindset was, but, but the
0: mindset was to win did every I, night.
1: Yeah, exactly, Eric. So, coming to the game saying winning every game, that's probably impossible. You're exactly right. But I came to every game that I ever participated in, I wanted and tried to win that game. And that's all you can ask for, Eric, is to try to win every time you play and every time you suit up. That's all you can ask. And for sure, those are examples, Eric, that I can recall and said, hey, we played literally that season. It was a 50 game in a condensed amount of time.
0: It was 50 games
1: in 89 days. Think about that, Eric. Think about that. Yep. Think about that.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's less than one every other day, every other maybe.
1: day. And and so when I'm you, sorry, it's
0: more than one every other day. Yeah. So you're playing back-to-backs, you and you're playing three and four nights, and you're playing four and five nice. nights, <laughs> and you're traveling like crazy. And I'm sure the schedule makers did not have a uh, ideal solution to get that done. And we're talking about the lockout shortened season of '98-'99. Uh, I'm gonna have to fact check you on where the Magic finished that season. Please do, um, but you know the fact that a guy like Chuck Daly, um, you know, had the wherewithal to to do that uh, to just respect uh, the know, game. That,
1: that's, that's all, Eric. I'm not yeah. saying look, I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but what I'm saying, Eric, is what I learned from two Hall of Fame coaches is to respect the game. Respect the game. That, that, yeah, I mean, it, I I learned that
0: in grade school. So just respect I'm, the game, I'm, I'm and, blessed and to, because yeah, now sure.
1: Eric, whatever is going on with however it is de- been determined, whether it's through teams evaluations, doctors, science, what however this is being determined, I'm not sure that it's in respect of the game. Just respect yep. the game, and however that is. Well, you guys,
0: you guys won uh, thirty three out of those fifty. Went thirty three and seventeen, and uh, fell to Iverson and the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, fun fact: You were not the only Armstrong on that roster. Yes. Both yourself and Daryl Armstrong. Daryl Armstrong. On that Magic team he had a, a great year. He had a great Penny year. Penny Hardaway. Year. Yeah. Yep. Penny Hardaway, your former Bulls teammate Horace Grant, Nick Anderson. Uh, I'm sorry, your f- former Nick, your former Bulls teammate Horace Grant, Nick Anderson, Isaac Austin, Michael Goliak, Kev Kevin Ollie, Big Bad Bo Outlaw, Miles Simon, Dominique, D- and Gerald Wilkins both made appearances. Dominique that year? Wilkins, wow. that, he was the '98, '99 Magic. Yeah, Look he at that. My, yeah,
1: he was. He was my Dominique. And it yeah. was it and, was s-
0: yeah, no. Just to put a button on it, the, you guys played fifteen back to backs, including three straight nights at one point. Yes. So that 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 really ties it together here. So, you know, we'll have plenty of. Uh, I, I will be sure to schedule a, a Dominique Wilkins segment into the show. But you know, just to put a button on today's show, you know, Popovich obviously is. is dealing with a roster now that's very different from what he had with Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, and and all the others. He's got got this odd mix of, of some proven veteran players while he's trying to develop young talent at the same time. So let's end with this. What kind of a challenge is it for Greg Popovich at this point in his career to walk the fine line of trying to win and trying to
1: develop each and every night? I think it's virtually impossible. I think it's, it's, it's impossible. You know, I haven't seen that task happen yet in the NBA. We talk about it. I think there's been great attempts at it. But it is what it is. And when you come into this league, I think it's a responsibility of every player that comes in the league to be ready to perform. Every coach has a job to do, and his job is to win games. That's a fact, right? And when coaches are assigned to develop players, that gives the players an excuse to lose. That gives the players Mm -hmm. an excuse to just want to put up numbers. And it doesn't focus on what the game is really all about. The game is all about winning. (laughs) That's – that's that's what the game is all about. And and, yep. and when you come in and say we're going to develop, basically you're playing players, not because they are ready to play, but you're getting them what they don't have, which is game, game time experience, whether they deserve it or not. And I'm not sure how healthy that is for any organization. You know, once you lose your edge to compete in this league, it's forever, the light is turned off. Once you turn that light off to compete, once you turn that light off, Eric, it never comes back on. And that's the one thing that I learned in 11 years of playing in the NBA, is that that is a league where it's competition at its highest. And if you don't enjoy competing, then that league is probably not for you. And now when you watch the NBA, We are watching development. We're watching, you know, all of the other things and talking about all the other things other than what's gonna allow you to compete at the highest level. And that, my friend, I feel is one of the main issues is that teams aren't competing, they're developing. And this isn't the league, this isn't the place to come and to develop. You play this game to play it with the idea of you have reached a certain level of excellence, and now you are performing. There's that word again. You're performing, and you're ready to perform at the highest level. It doesn't mean that you're going to win every game, but you're ready to play the, the game. Goal. That's, the, That's goal. the goal. That's got to be I the feel, goal, Eric. I feel Eric. like we should. I feel like. I feel like.
0: I feel like we should be inserting like a great intense Hubie Brown line from like a 1985 NBA entertainment video when he's just real real pumped up talking to the camera about competing every night. I'm with you. And it is a fine line. And, uh, you know, you obviously you look at the standings today. We're three weeks into the season. Certain teams are out of the gates hot, and they are winning basketball games. Others, you can tell, are in development mode. And then others are kind of in the middle of the pack, figuring out who they're going to be. Yes, so Uh, You know, great insight on that today. Uh, Lots of action ahead this week in the NBA. So um, in terms of pure hoops media goes, we've got a ton going on. Uh, Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire team. Part two of Mike Wise's interview with David Stern is now available on YouTube. And wherever you get your audio podcast, be sure to check that out. A great conversation between Mike and former Commissioner David Stern. Catch and Shoot 2.0, the relaunch is coming. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Coming right out of the Thanksgiving holiday. And, of course, buckets, boards, and blocks with the one and only Monica McNutt coming each and every Thursday. BJ and I will be back later in the week to catch you up on the week in the basketball world. And, of course, look ahead to what's going on in the weekend ahead and it's hard to believe buddy we're we're already at the these er, the season starting earlier but we're we're a week away from week and a half away from thanksgiving oh. it's kind of crazy so thanksgiving it's uh it's flying by I, I guess uh now that uh we're both uh quote unquote uh old time <laughs> keeps going fast but uh great job start today, your workout friend, now i will start- see you in person I will say I am starting my workout now. I am going to go get a meal because I have not eaten since uh, snacks on the plane. So I will see you in person later this week for our next show. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys their week ahead. Of course, stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.